Sasswhat is a show about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, the hopers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit our Facebook page. are really excited on this new Sasquatch Nation episode as we delve into the lore of Arkansas to have with us uh, a resident of the great state of Arkansas, our, our pal and someone we've recorded with before and a listener to Sasquatch for a while, and his name is Jonathan Bevel. Bevel, welcome to Sasquatch. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I, I, I was telling my wife and friends, I feel like a little kid, excited <laughs> to, to laugh with y'all and uh, talk with y'all again, especially about Bigfoot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is great. Um, some of our listeners probably followed us over to your show, uh, Parent Pastor. Uh, what's going on with that and anything else going on that's new with you guys? Well, um, I, I don't know when, uh, you know, we're recording on a certain day or when y'all are going to release this, but I'm sure we'll have it by then. Uh, we actually just welcomed on a new co-host uh, onto the show, which I'm really excited about because, um, you know, with with podcasts, and I guess it depends on what the subject matter is, but for ours, we wanted someone with a different perspective. And so um, my other co-hosts are all dudes, like we're all just, just dudes, and so... Uh, we welcomed on uh, someone we recently had as a guest, uh, Chris Mars, and so we're excited to have her on. And she's already saying, like, oh, we should do an episode on this, and we should do this, and lining up guests for us uh, for this season or next. And so um, that's really uh, been exciting for us, uh, just kind of breathing new life and um, so having someone challenge uh, even us in terms of uh, how we uh, record and, and how we uh, put content out there. So that's been exciting. Yeah, it's great to have kind of new blood sometimes, even if it's... Never. It's never good. <laughs> never. <laughs> Andy's against new blood, I yeah. think, in general. Just why Why have it? <laughs> Just makes you think of how good it used to be. Why? How good it used to be. <laughs> That's funny. I, Andy, I would expect that from someone much older than you, so it's kind of surprised to hear you say that. <laughs> He's been called an old soul before, but that basically is a nice way of saying he's grumpy. He's grumpy. He's the the old man at heart, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, there was old man breed love to begin with, and so now it's just sort of carried over to the next generation. So, Andy, are you growing out of beard? <laughs> yes, my, cr- my crotchety old man beard is growing quite well. <laughs> <laughs> it's longer than mine, which is pretty embarrassing. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I wish I would not have shaved when I was younger because, you know, it's almost like you shave so that something will grow. And then <laughs> it starts growing, and you're like, why did I even start this mess? I wish I'd still have, like, light colored hairs. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I, like, I have a grown out beard, and I'm lazy in, cu- in shaving or anything like that. Like, the only time I have to trim up is when my wife says, you need to trim those those wings. Uh-oh. Um, so, 
Anyway, enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, Bevel, you are in Arkansas, and one question I wanted to ask you tonight is if you could, you know, first of all, like where you're at, can you sort of tell us what the terrain is like and like the general geography of Arkansas? Because we always, on these Sasquatch Nation episodes, we try to get a little bit of that injected into the conversation. So we have a general sense of where, if these creatures are inhabiting a certain state, you know, where that is probably going to be. So I guess part of that question is, is that sort of whereby you are, or are you in like a less likely part of the state for a sighting? Yeah, so I'm in a, I'm in a weird place altogether. Like, so I'm, I'm initially from Louisiana, and so we're used to swamps and flatland uh, and just nastiness. But uh, in Arkansas, I'm in North Little Rock, and so we're sort of between... Uh, a delta region, and then also uh, so the delta region on the east, and then on the west side, uh, both north and south, uh, we have the Ozark National Forest, which basically uh, Interstate 40 cuts through that, and so north of I-40 and Arkansas River, you have part of Ozark National Forest, and south of um, I-40 and Arkansas River, you have Washtenaw National Forest, and so um, there's a there's a lot of unexplored terrain there. And uh, you know, I, I was looking up a, a report to share, and it, it's interesting because it's three different encounters that uh, that a witness had, and one of the encounters is literally uh, in a county just north of the Arkansas River, and then the other two are just south of the Arkansas River. Uh, in a different county, and so um, it, it's it's kind of fascinating. I guess it depends on where you're at um, as to what the terrain's like. Uh, there there might be times like I guess Willow Rock. It, it's it's got some terrain, but it's not as bad. Um, but the further west you go, um, within the Ozark or Washington National Forest, you'll get some some heavy terrain, and you get a, a lot of different bodies of water. Um, which uh, a, a friend of mine here thinks that they've been really drawn, drawn to water and has had some encounters. So that's been interesting talking with him. Yeah, I remember when we drove down to uh, Falk, Arkansas. You know, it was a really amazing experience <laughs> coming out of Memphis and into the into the state of Arkansas because. To our way of thinking, I mean, it went from this metropolitan area, all of a sudden you are in sort of what we think of as like the stereotypical Arkansas landscape, just in the blink of an eye, you know? It was, you literally got over the Mississippi and it's like, boom. And it's like, it's hard to describe because you're like, yeah, right, you're just, you're just in Memphis and you get out. But it's, it was really like all of a sudden just a flat field right out of like Memphis. It was crazy. Well, and it's strange, I mean, if, if, if you didn't have the Falk Monster at all, and you're just looking at the map and the topography, you wouldn't think to say, oh, I'm sure down by south where it's really flat, you know, there's a lot of sightings down there. Um, I mean, you would look at the, the National Forest and, uh, you know, the rivers, I mean, that would be a no-brainer uh, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Falk is uh, a drainage area as well, and so I think that plays into it as well. 
And so something something Arkansas for our for this circle is known for, and you just brought it up, is Falk, Arkansas, and the legend of Boggy Creek. As an Arkansas resident, what is your opinion on all of that? Um, it, you know, I have a hard time answering that um, because, you know, I, I bring that up in different circles, and even when, when I travel, I, I mention that to people. And I, I was in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana, probably about a few months ago, and there's uh, I was in a grocery store. Um, you know, my, my in-laws live in Shreveport, so I was in a grocery store picking something up, and somehow I got in a conversation with a chatty uh, person at the checkout, and uh, we got to talking about Falk, and she, she's much older than me, and one of the things she said was, oh, yeah, my, you know, I have family members that are a part of all that, and she made it sound almost as though it was something that was manufactured, um, all the sightings that happened there. Um but the people that I think take uh, the subject seriously um, approach it much differently. Uh, where I'm at with it, you know, I kind of I, I joke with all my friends and say, "Oh yeah, I totally believe in Bigfoot." <laughs> and the reality is, like, I really want to believe, but I, I've not, um, you know, obviously I've not seen any evidence to, to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that uh, that there is a, 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 a upright walking uh, primate. Uh, anywhere around us. Um, but the, the thing that I find fascinating, I don't know if it's kind of going on a tangent or not, but um, I've always been fascinated with uh, the Civil War, and I like reading uh, Civil War diaries and journal entries and things like that. And I'm not really a history buff in the sense of, like, I want to know these certain battles or certain campaigns. I, I really enjoy hearing sort of first-hand accounts from the soldiers as to what the terrain was like, what daily life was like, and struggles that they faced. Um, and this, I know this probably sounds odd, but whenever I'm, I'm driving, I have thoughts of, I wonder what was going on in this area during the Civil War. And somehow, uh, it, it's translated now to where I think, I, like while I'm driving on the interstate, or, you know, if you're driving in Falk, or, or, or just, uh, you know, last week I went to Hot Springs, and I was just thinking, I really wonder if these creatures exist, how close right now in proximity uh, one might be to me. Yeah. And um, I, don't, I don't know, so maybe that kind of paints a picture of, I, I really want to believe that they exist. Um, and I think a lot of the encounters that people have over sightings um, are fascinating because, and y'all have mentioned this on the show before, that, you know, depending on the person and how legit they seem, and then also what their sighting was like, there's a legitimate fear that people have uh, from encountering something. We don't know what specifically it is, but there, there's a legitimate fear uh, in that. And something that, while it is seemingly a story, um, I, I just I can't shake that. You know, it's just kind of, it, it, I think it's in our psyche. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And I think for my <laughs> for my experience, I probably had the clearest sense of that same question. You know, I wonder if there is something, there's a real creature, how close is it? I think I've never had that feeling more intensely than we were when we were down there by Boggy Creek and Days Creek and down there in the bayous where we were far away from it. Anything 
And you know, you just get this sense that anything could be around. And you went looking for it, and I had to stop <laughs> and get you and, like, pull you back. Because right. it was like, it's like you went down the road we were on, and I was like, Dad, come back. And you're like, why? I'm like, because I just saw three snakes as I walked down to get you. And yeah, I was very protective of you when there, we were down there. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely moments where I sort of wandered off and was sort of like, okay, if there's something out here, uh, feel free to present yourself. But hopefully, it wasn't a cottonmouth. Yeah, it, I never, I never personally saw a snake while I was you down didn't? there. I no. saw like four snakes while I was down there. It was really freaky because <laughs> it'd be all of a sudden there's a snake and you'd be like, oh, okay. It's also a really cool experience. Yeah, as some Midwesterner who's only used to little tiny snakes to see <laughs> a pretty large snake is really cool. All right, so Bevel, so, we know that you. I, I would, I would oh, go ahead. Like a, and scream like a little girl. If I saw any size snake. There's on any small town monster shoot. There's lots of screaming and yelling. That there goes. is. <laughs> Mostly from Seth, actually. <laughs> oh my! It's a rite of passage. But um, so Bevel, we know you've got some reports uh, that you picked out for the show. So why don't you get into those now, and uh, we'll we will listen and comment uh, as needed. But uh, give us a sense of uh, where the report took place, and uh, just give us whatever you got there. Sure. So um, I, I have to point this out. So uh, kind of background story. This. So both of these reports uh, come from uh, I think BigfootEncounters dot com, mm-hmm. and uh, th- that's something that. Uh, has recently come to my attention. I mean, I've, I've read you know, different reports from BFRO and other sites, um, but one, one of the things that it seems like Arkansas is such a small world is that literally one day I was in a local coffee shop um, reading John Green's uh, Apes Among Us, <laughs> and this guy walks up and says, oh, you mean about, about Bigfoot? And I'm like, yeah. And he said, oh, that's cool. My, uh, my grandfather... Uh, has spent a lot of money and has, you know, followed up on reports and this and that. And I said, well, what's his name? And he said, Tal H. Bronco. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I've been reading reports from this person. And so Tal huh. uh, is actually, um, like, a, a lot of reports that you read on any different site, uh, he, he normally is the investigator, the person that follows up. And so I've been having conversations with him, and uh, he shared sort of encounters he's had. And I wish I had time. I I've got two small kids, and so I'm not able to, you know, go gallivant in the woods as often as I'd like. Yeah. Um, but uh, so anyway, like, this, this report is uh, one that he's followed up on, and it's interesting because it's from, uh, in the report, it's uh, from a 57-year-old uh, person that, had three different encounters, and uh, the first encounter is north of uh, the Arkansas River, and next to or south of the Arkansas River, and so I just find that fascinating. It's basically the same sort of area, uh, and you can have that that water uh, there, and the first encounter happened in uh, the summer of 1966, um, and the place is really interesting, too, because it's it's in it's uh, near the head of Cat Holler, and um, there's like a whole aside note about this place, um, saying that it's the official name uh, of a mountain hollow, um, and then 
the, the name of the county road that runs through it as well, and it's just like the side note. And the side note um, basically tells the boarding that uh, he's unable to locate the, the way, specifically where this happened on uh, USGS topographic maps. And um, But when you look in Franklin and Logan counties where these reports came from, uh, surprisingly found that Franklin County had an index hollow named Bigfoot Hollow, <laughs> and then there was a stream passing through that hollow named Bigfoot Creek. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and there's more information on that. So it's just, it's sort of like, what? Is yeah. There an like, is there something from years back that just the people that live in that area have a sense? And then even uh, the, the name Cat Hollow, uh, it, it's sort of like, was it meant to be named Hollow? Uh, Why Cat Hollow? And uh, it, it says here at the end, the name was reportedly given to the Hollow because the hollering of cats that originated from the area during that night. The, <laughs> night. the only mistake in naming the Hollow was most likely the animal to which the first settlers attributed the sounds. Wow. Um, and so it's, just, it's fascinating. I don't just stop there thinking about all the implications of that. Right. Um, so anyway, it's, uh, you know, in terms of the terrain, it's deep and rugged mountains with deep valleys, the hollows, uh, and the slopes, and it's part of the uh, Ozark Mountains there. And uh, like I said, the gentleman was 57 years old. Uh, it, it mentions he's a lifelong resident there, uh, has hunted and explored the area extensively. And so... Uh, in a report, I like to put this, activities of witness uh, prior to encounter slash incident and then details of encounter slash incident. So it, it's not too terribly long. Uh, I'll read the first encounter. Um, it basically goes, one summer day while the reporting witness was taking a nap at home, his brother and two sisters returned from a hike they had taken to a recently unoccupied house down the mountainside near the head of Cat Holler. The three siblings returned home in the late afternoon in a very excited state and awakened him. Uh, they told him they had seen an ape or gorilla near the unoccupied house they had visited. He did not believe a word of their story and was angry because they had disturbed his nap. I, I just like that part. <laughs> That's so, like, great, I'm, yeah. I'm not there. Don't bug me with Bigfoot. You know? <laughs> um, three siblings said that if he did not believe them, they would go with him to the house the next day to show him the animal. Uh, after a very heated discussion, he finally agreed to go with them to the home the next day. Next morning, they all walked down the steep hollow to the house and arrived at about 9 a.m. After searching through the unlocked house and around the yard uh, and outbuildings, they found nothing unusual. The reporting witness again became angry and accused his siblings of playing a prank on him and gave them what for, for causing him to walk a long way down the mountain for nothing. Uh, he then angrily turned and started walking back up the mountain with the other three falling behind and trying to convince him that their story was not a joke or prank. Uh, after walking about 300 yards from the house, his older sister tapped him on the shoulder and asked, Brother, do you still think we were lying? Without stopping, he angrily replied, Yes. Uh, she then said, Well, look on the porch. Uh, he turned to look and was stunned to see a small black, ape-like creature standing on the port porch nonchalantly watching them depart. The reporting witness stated that while the animal made no threatening actions or sounds, its presence caused him to shiver and his hair stood, uh, and his hair to stand up. The group watched the animal for a few seconds and all broke into a hard run toward the home. Um, 
And, and so that's the first one. And, and, and you know, it's it's kind of a common statement of like his hair st- stood up. And, and it, I think you know, aside from whether or not these stories are accurate or these encounters, you know, it, it, I don't know. And maybe this is bad of me. It just makes for a good story for Connor Law because mm-hmm. you know the whole Civil War thing for me and the Bigfoot uh, encounters and reports that I read. It, it just it puts you in the story, and so I, I don't know if y'all have uh, a way of um, I don't know if you call it like objectively or subjectively reading certain reports, but I always like putting myself into the shoes of whoever that witness was to think of what that must have been like. And I mean, even being that far away, I, I would have probably keep my pants, you know, seeing yeah. uh, something on how far. Right, and the human elements in that story are so strong, you know, like especially towards the end, the do you still think that we were lying or not? And then <laughs> the proof that he would was needing, you know, is right there yeah. in front of him. It's aw- that's an amazing story. Yeah, that's it's like a classic, like, do you still think we're lying? Well, then look, it's such a, it's such like a, I don't know a word to describe it, such a moment of like, calm yes i know what i'm talking about to then your world is turned upside down yeah i I remember uh so i have a friend that's very skeptical of bigfoot and he always is wanting to ask me questions and always wanting me to to know like you're ridiculous if you think that this is even a possibility that they exist however and i think i mentioned this friend to you when y'all were on the show i I learned that he wants to believe in aliens as much as I want to believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. So I've got some ammunition to mess with him. Um, but but it is interesting, though. Uh, you know, I, I wonder how much of, you know, as we read reports, as we have conversations or, or go to conferences or, you know, I, 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 I shamelessly I'll say, like, I, there are certain folks I follow on YouTube just because whether it's real or not, it's kind of fun watching videos that people people make um, <laughs> in the woods and what they think they see or, or don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's, <laughs> it's just interesting to see how much maybe our mind wants to understand or figure out what are the things that make us tick or the things that, that maybe legitimately bring us fear while we're alone, while we're in the woods, while we have experiences that we really shouldn't be able to explain or have any natural way of explaining how this happened or what we've encountered. Um, anyway, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, got another report? Yeah, so this is the third encounter. And, oh, okay. Uh, it's a little bit longer, but it, it again... Uh, I think I like this one so much because they tied together uh, in terms of encounters that the same person had. Uh, And this one even more so is one where, I mean, just dear listeners, think of if this is you and you experience this. So uh, this is one uh, that happens just south of uh, where the the previous report I just read. Uh, It happened in the summer of 1972. It's late at night. the weather conditions were clear at the time, and it says that the, the area had experienced heavy rains that day. Uh, it happened in Logan County in Arkansas. 
the closest town was Roseville, if you want to look on the map. And uh, it was by Arkansas Highway number 309. And basically, it, it was a more farming and ranching land, relatively flat bottom land along the south side of the Arkansas River uh, near uh, Gaddis Lake. And so, uh, it, here, I mean, here's kind of a rundown. So, the witness was driving to a girlfriend's home when he discovered the road was flooded from rains that had uh, backed water from Gaddis Lake over the road. The witness knew it was a very long drive to the home by other roads, so he decided to try and just drive through the water. Uh, the car made it through the water, but the Indian quit on the other side. He thought the problem was due to water inside the distributor, but was unable to start the car after trying to drive the, insider, uh, the inside of the distributor cap. When he was unable to start the car, he decided to walk about a mile and a half uh, to a friend's house for help. He had no flashlight, but there was light enough from a clear sky and a nearly full moon that he could clearly see the road and objects alongside it. After he had walked quite a distance from the car, he began to get the feeling that something was on the road behind him. When he stopped and turned to look, he saw what he at first thought was someone approaching him closely. As he looked at the figure, it stopped. He could then see that the figure was not as close as he first thought, and then the realization struck him that the figure was much larger than a man uh, he at first assumed it was, which made it appear closer. Uh, he was immediately seized by an overpowering fear and for a few seconds was unable to move. During that time, the man realized the figure was huge, covered in hair, and walked like a man. The witness briefly considered running away, but he thought that if he did, the animal could, if it chose to do so, overtake him in second. He said that it took all his willpower to turn and slowly begin walking up the road. After walking several yards, the man turned to see if the animal was still following him. It was, but it stopped when he stopped. Both he and the animal stood dead for several seconds staring intently at each other. At that time, he considered saying something to or shouting at the creature. He quickly decided not to do either because he could not bear the thought of hearing the response the animal might make. Uh, he turned again and started walking slowly. At times, he could hear the sound of a foot striking the road, but other than these sounds, the area was silent. As the long walk continued, the animal stayed behind him gradually getting closer until it was no more than 30 or 40 feet behind him. The man would occasionally stop to look at the animal, and it would stop and silently stare back. The animal followed the man until the friend's house came into view. As he approached the house, the friend's dogs began barking, barking loudly and running toward him. The dogs ignored him, and when they got beside him, began barking frantically at the figure behind him. Hmm. He heard the animal make a quick movement on the road, and the dogs wheeled and began yelping as if someone was beating them. As the dogs disappeared yelping under the house, the man turned around again, thinking the dogs had scared the animal away. He said the animal was still there, standing quietly, watching him. At that point, the man began hurrying to the house after he knocked on the door and the friend opened it. The first thing the friend asked was, what the devil did you do to my dog? Uh, when he told the man what had happened, uh, he was not sure his friend believed him, but the friend listened to his story intently. So this one is fascinating to me because, again, I mean, I've had that feeling before of being in the woods, it, it being nighttime, like, sh 
shadows playing with your eyes and, and it, like your heart pounding and putting yourself into kind of this witness's shoes, you think if there is a creature that first appears to be at a certain distance and you realize that it's further away, but it's, it, it reveals how much bigger this creature is. Yeah. You, you think it is, whether it's a man or not, and then recognizing more and more the details when you stop. And then you know, that, that line of staring intently at each other, good night. Like, I always wonder what I would do if I was face-to-face with uh, a Sasquatch. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure y'all are not uh, ignorant of the, uh, Albert, is it Albert Osman's story where he was, apparently kidnapped yep I you know he was out there for days and hmm. I, I, you know the friend that, that wants to believe in aliens I always tell him like it's kind of an encounter I mean depending on what it was like I would I'd probably just want to like sit and just observe and I, I mean I don't know if I would have the courage to, to try and speak to a creature of that size or try to get closer to it but I would I would want to observe it and it's interesting that there are moments that people have in terms of encounters or witnessing and reports where it's either Bigfoot hightails it out of there or that these creatures are just as curious as we are and the only thing that's different is that it seems like they're not as fearful of us as we are of it Hmm. Yeah. Right. And you do, it seems like across eyewitness accounts, you have a range of human responses. I mean, there's like, there's the uh, William Rowe, very close sighting report where um, he seems to be able to very calmly observe this creature in very close proximity to himself. And he's just sort of, uh, you know, uh, gathering information if you will. But but what seems to be more prevalent by far is just this feeling of, you know, irrational fear almost that causes people to want to get out of the the areas as fast as they possibly can. And I guess I'm like you in a way, I always envision myself being really brave and like charging into the woods after this thing or whatever. But I just have to wonder if in the moment, you know, what would happen. And I I would hate to think that I would uh, chicken out, but you just, I guess you never know until you're in that situation. Andy's saying something. What? I would chicken out. You would chicken <laughs> We don't know what it is. What are you doing? And if, if we saw it together, I'd probably be yelling at you to run. And you'd be like, no. And I'd be like, no, run. <laughs> and I'd probably run. And he'd probably like get taken as part of their their culture and come back a few years later. <laughs> Chief. Uh, so but... in that scenario you'd want to be Mowgli, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes indeed. Well that's a fascinating report. I really love that because it, it combines the the elements of you know, a uh, moonlit night single person encounter, but then there's um, other animals involved, and that's something that really was, you know, I've been reminded of that in particular by Stan Gordon's report database that um, on a number of occasions they observed animals reacting to these creatures, which is a very, you know, it's it's in a lot of reports, but it's sometimes overlooked as uh, 
evidence as a type of evidence you know that these cre- that animals like dogs are reacting to something that they sense is there and what is that is of course the the great question but that that really is a, a compelling report i love that one well and this sounds bad but my mind always goes to harry and the hendersons and <laughs> you know in these reports i think how other animals respond to this creature either shows whether they think it's just a bigger animal than them and so there's initial fear with that or if they've already had encounters with this creature and they know it's a predator towards them or if you know some reports you read it's sort of like there's this at one with all the creatures uh with this big creature and everything's fine and so it's an interesting dynamic to think about how, how the creatures view each other and uh you know our smaller creatures on the food chain for bigfoot uh, might sound like a silly question, but I, I think it, uh, anything that, you know, any question that helps us better understand or seek better understanding of what this creature might be like, I think is it, just helpful. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, those are very enjoyable. That's awesome. Well, and then one other thing I want to point out, and this, again, like putting myself in the, 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 the shoes of this witness I don't know about y'all, but I, if I probably would not have chosen to drive through the water, I guess depending on how high it was. But yeah. You add to that before the encounter, and whenever you run into problems, you just there's a certain level of stress, and especially hmm. like for me, I'd be frustrated if my my car stopped working altogether and I had to walk a mile and a half, even though it's not that far, but in the dark, sure. and it's just been raining, and, and I mean just just. That that setting sets up a whole host of, of ways that might indicate how you, how you'd respond. Um, mm-hmm. I, I am surprised that um, the report didn't point out uh, more so the emotions that this person felt. Mm-hmm. Right, and maybe it was just trying to get down the details. You mm-hmm. know, sure. Well, maybe Bigfoot was coming to help him. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe a little. It's not that valve, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Need a push. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it in neutral. <laughs> yeah. No. That that's really uh, there's that's insightful because I think you know that's something that doesn't seem to come out uh, in a lot of reports is the emotional state of the person before the sighting takes place. You know, generally we're talking about someone who's deeply shaken after they've seen these things but um what about beforehand uh, that, that's a whole series of interesting questions i think bring is brought up by that awesome well uh bevel if somebody wants to get in touch with you to talk bigfoot or anything else that uh, might be crossing their mind how would they go about doing that and uh if you want to talk a little bit about the your podcast too uh, please do so. Sure. So I would say go to parentpastor.com, uh, and, and you probably could go there. It's funny, like, I've kind of ventured off of uh, a lot of my social media platforms. Um, and so if you want to email me directly, uh, it, this is going to be funny. So uh, it's a pet name that my uh, wife gave me a long time ago, um, but it's bevums at gmail.com. Uh, last name Bevel, so it's like a little play on 
Bevel, Bevum, so uh, B-E-V-U-M-S, uh, gmail.com. Okay. Um, or you can check out at, at Parent Pastor. And basically, uh, like I love our, our kind of tagline for that. It's, it's basically where calling and kids collide. And so uh, I'm a pastor here in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And um, I'm also a dad to two excellent girls. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of, it, it, it's sort of like if you're having a, a dinner party and you're entertaining like, colleagues from work or, you know, I, I was thinking like in terms of like being a business person or something like that, and your kids are at the party too, it's sort of like, well, you want to talk to the folks you work with and make a good impression, but at the same time, if your kid is swinging from the chandeliers, <laughs> uh, yeah. you, you've you got to discipline them. And so, I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, we just talk about messy stuff uh, and yeah. not having it all figured out, so... Uh, kind of like y'all don't have Biggerfoot figured out, we don't have parenting and pastoring. Yep. So if you're interested in that stuff, love to have you take a listen. Cool. Very good. Well, Jonathan Bevel, we really appreciate your time, and thank you for joining us for Sasquatch Nation, Arkansas. And we hope you will come back on the program again sometime because um, you uh, you have an obvious passion for the subject and uh, you I love the reports that you picked out, too. So thank you for all that. Well, thanks for having me. I really am hoping I can make it up for uh, the Ohio uh, Bigfoot Conference this year. Hopefully I can stay with Manderson and uh, nice. get to meet y'all face-to-face. That would be awesome. Yeah, keep keep us posted there. Oh, so quick question. Yeah. Did you incorporate that phrase into the narrative of Asian Chestnut <laughs> Ridge? <laughs> that I challenged you with. I have to say I failed on that account, and um, I guess it's it's part of one of those things that uh, the editing <laughs> process is a casualty of the editing process. Because the other thing that got edited out that I was really uh, pretty excited about was um, the phrase, I'm going to make sure I got this right, um, oh, what was it? Giant. Incandescent. It can, yeah, giant incandescent. Caterpillars. That was <laughs> that was an editorial decision uh, to drop that phrase. Um, so you know that's just part of filmmaking, I guess. Is you, my, my method of writing that narration was throw as much as I can at the wall, and Seth will eliminate what he thinks is just a little too out there. So. I can picture Seth like saying, "Come on, Mark, we're trying to go for Bigfoot and spaceships." Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me on. Uh, I love the work that y'all are doing. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, y'all are awesome, and uh, thanks for having me. All right, back at you, Jonathan. Thanks again. All right, take care. Yep.